1: Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the comic book movie podcast that's been planning an Aquaman episode since before the Sahara was a desert. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are... Sir Patrick and James Hunt. We will discuss the latest comic book movie and TV news, back to some semblance of normality, before diving into our spoiler-filled thoughts on James Wan's 2018 movie, Aquaman. But before any of that, I'm going to ask Seven James to explain to me something that I just don't understand, because I really don't, about the living tribunal.
2: <laughs> oh, I'll let James have this one.
1: <laughs> Is this uh, going to be more or less confusing than the supreme intelligence?
3: I would say more. Because, Excellent. you know... Uh, so... It's a Doctor Strange villain. Right. um, Who sort of sits over the multiverse and judges whether realities should exist or not. Hmm. I mean, it's one of those super, like, 19... I say 1970s. I'm pretty sure he first appeared in the 60s. But it's one of those, like, crazy 1970s, like...
1: Like a Molecule Man kind of weird, (sighs) right? Yeah,
3: like... Again, I'm... I get really, like, bored of people going like, oh, they must have been on some serious drugs when they came up with this, but this is one of those, like, cosmic, you know, (laughs) extremely, if you've been smoking a lot of weed, it seems like a good idea, characters.
1: So Uh, this character apparently very nearly showed up in Avengers Endgame.
3: uh, In what context? Did you read
1: the debrief,
2: James? (laughs) The really, really good interview with Marcus and McFeely.
1: Seb, Seb, explain what the Living Tribunal was going to be in in this movie.
2: Uh, oh, you put me on the spot now. <laughs> what context they mentioned it? I just remember them mentioning that they were going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> sorry, Joe, you're going to have to pick this one up.
1: <laughs> so, the Russo said, we did try to put the Living Tribunal in the first movie, so Infinity War. We wrote a scene in which he appeared during the Titan fight and everyone was like, what? He's got three heads, McFeely added. It would have in- indicate a whole different level of architecture to the universe, and I think that was just too much to throw in. So, uh, presumably, I would imagine that would, given what you just said, would come in place of Doctor Strange looking at 14 million different outcomes. Right?
3: Probably. I mean, that sort of makes sense.
1: The Living Tribunal turns up and goes, there are 14 million different possibilities of what happens here. And if he's a Doctor Strange villain, if if that's what that's what you said, right? He's a Doctor Strange villain. Then... Well, he
3: first appeared in Doctor Strange, yeah.
1: So but, So why is he a villain? What's what's a, what's bad about? Well,
3: him? He's a villain in the same way Galactus is a villain, like he's just this kind of cosmic force who is beyond any reasoning with.
1: Right. So if he's like this this reality doesn't deserve to exist anymore because of an arbitrary reason I've come up with, yeah. then I guess snap it's gone. Yeah, exactly. Mm, he sounds very powerful. I am um, I'm kind of glad he, they he's didn't put him in this the, in this movie.
3: <laughs> he's literally the most powerful entity in the Marvel multiverse aside from like I think there have been some references to his like boss, but I don't think he's ever actually shown up or they've ever actually shown up.
1: Wow. Okay. But otherwise,
3: otherwise if you want something to happen, like in, one of the one of the reasons he sort of turned up was to at one point, prevent the Infinity Gems from being used in unison. Which is a kind of... That's an interesting thing if they were thinking of putting him in Infinity War. Because, yeah, his thing was like, he's so powerful, he can just negate the effects of the Infinity Gems immediately.
1: The more that you say, the more that I'm glad that they did not use him in Infinity War.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm really... I'm kind of not a fan of these sort of insane sort of kirby-esque uh cosmic forces because they they sort of invite a lot of cod philosophy and there's not actually much you can do to actually fight them or yeah. you know defeat them in any meaningful way so you just have
1: to have to reason with them yeah yeah um okay so that was the living tribunal because i read that this week and i was like i no sorry completely beyond me never even heard of him before um yeah. <laughs> so uh we'll move on to the comic book movie and tv news now um and we're going to start with a bit of Endgame discussion so listeners if you haven't seen Endgame yet we are going to talk some spoilers here um we just you know we can't stop talking about this movie uh so <laughs> if, if you uh don't If you haven't seen the movie, don't want really to be spoiled, skip ahead and we'll have the time codes in the uh, episode description uh, so you know where to fast forward to. Um, but Avengers Endgame, guys, Seb referenced already the Marcus McFeely interview, which I think was on Variety, uh, which uh, I would recommend people track down, uh, but I think the interesting thing from like a real spoiler uh, point of view and like discussion around one of the one of like i think one of the moments that coming out of the movie you are struggling to reconcile um is the Captain america time travel stuff at the end of the movie because it kind of feels like it breaks the we spoke about this in the podcast it kind of feels like it breaks the rules of everything else that the movie establishes time travel wise in the movie um and i think we kind of put it down to this is the the film and the directors and the screenwriters having the cake and eating it too. It's a moment that works so well that we're not going to interrogate too much whether it works or doesn't work. But then the Russos gave an interview to Entertainment Weekly. Okay, this I have seen. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the Russos were asked, has Captain America been living in the past this whole time? I.e. when... Peggy said that she was married already, that was always Steve Rogers, uh, and this version of Steve Rogers. Or did he go and live in another dimension, which is what the rules of the movie had kind of suggested would be the case that he would go back, meet the Peggy we know, but then they would branch out onto a different timeline after that point. And the Russo said that it is that. So I'll, qu- I'll read the quote directly. If Cap were to go back into the past and live there, he would create a branched reality. The question then becomes, how is he back in this reality to give away the shield? Interesting question, right? Maybe there's a story there. There's a lot of layers built into this movie, and we spent three years thinking through it, so it's fun to talk about and hopefully fill in holes for people so they understand what we're thinking. Uh, They were also talking about uh, the, the Bucky part of things. Um... Uh, and they said um, uh, especially when he says uh, when he says goodbye he says I'll miss you clearly he knows something um on the other hand, Sam doesn't know something uh, so th- suggesting that Bucky somehow, knew that Steve was not going back, whether that was but as we talked on the podcast, it didn't seem like Steve had already made his mind up at that point, which suggests that old man Steve has made contact with Bucky prior to that point. So, guys This seems like a deliberate thing, right? How do you feel about it? And do you do you have any theories? Can I (laughs) I throw something else
2: into the mix that you haven't mentioned that you may not have seen? Yes, please. Have you not seen what Christopher Marcus has said in an interview with Marcus and McFeely. Oh, no! So the question says, so people are asking does this mean, well the thing is, they the writers kind of contradict themselves because earlier in the interview they talk again about the Time Trial and they talk about it in the same way that they did in the New York Times piece that uh, we mentioned earlier, which is where that quote about um, the infinite-headed one, whatever it's called. Uh, Living Tribunal. For.
3: Living Tribunal.
2: That's the one. <laughs> um, and At that point, they they talked about uh, branching realities and alternate timelines and stuff like that. However, then it comes up the question, so people are asking, does this mean an old Captain America was hanging out this whole time while another Captain America was saving the day? Christopher Marcus... That is our theory. We're not experts on time travel, but the Ancient One specifically states that when you take an Infinity Stone out of a timeline, it creates a new timeline. So Steve going back and just being there would not create a new timeline. So I reject <laughs> the Steve is in an alternate reality theory. I do believe that there is simply a period in world history from about 48 to now where there are two Steve Rogers. And anyway, for a large chunk of that, one of them is frozen in ice. So it's not like they're wow. to each other.
1: <laughs> I love this. So basically... <laughs> It's Mar-
2: cake and eat it. Yeah, that's well, the only
1: way you, you can take any of this, or Marvel have, are <laughs> the the trying like, to intentionally leave all their options open. <laughs> which there is are, there are two
3: points I'm going to quickly make here. One is that if if Steve Rogers goes back in time and makes a life with a different Peggy Carter,
1: no, it's not that, a different that Peggy is Carter. Bullshit.
3: No, this is what I'm saying though. If he does that,
1: that's bullshit. No, but it's, no, but it it, it, can, it can never be that. So Steve goes back into his own past and meets a peggy who's interacted with him from that point forward they would go onto a branch timeline but it would still be his peggy
3: yeah but no 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 because then then there's still a peggy that that didn't yeah. happen to in quote unquote our reality which yes left,
1: correct right? yeah, yeah but that
3: no that is sh- that is bullshit
2: but no, because that's still the same Peggy. The the Peggy. The thing about the branching timelines is, it's his Peggy up until the point where the timeline branches. Yeah, so yeah. They from, both from Steve's perspective. From they Steve's both perspective. originate from a Peggy that met the same version of Steve. That's yeah. the point. That's how the yeah. branching timeline. Yeah, but
3: then was. there's no version of Steve who goes forward and lives his life without without um, Peggy. But there's a version of Peggy that goes and lives their life without Steve. Yeah, because there's still a reality where he didn't go back in time.
2: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's also that, yeah, a that's bullshit where Peggy never met Steve. That's
3: bullshit so, because know. it means like there's a like our Peggy Carter didn't get the happy ending. It was a no, different one. No,
1: she did. She did and she did. because
3: no, no, she, no, 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 <laughs> she split into <laughs> the two reality, versions,
2: one who did and one who didn't. The
3: reality Captain America Leaves has a version of Peggy who died without meeting him.
1: But the Peggy the Peggy who you know from Captain America The First Avenger Yeah has that dance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I still I would I I'm actually given that they are refusing to actually nail it down by being confused themselves I am taking the interpretation that because the film seems to be quite clear that going back doesn't change the past I'm going with uh, what I think is the only way you can actually make time travel make sense which is that when you go back and change things, you don't change things. You, the only thing you can do when you go back in time is to make something happen that was always going to happen. So as far as I'm concerned, yes, there were two Steve Rogers living on Earth all of that time, and that was always the case. At the time that First Avenger and the Avengers happened, that alternate Steve was already in that timeline because he had been put in it by his time travel. That's, that's how I interpret time travel. It's <laughs> this say... always happened that way.
3: I've got to say, I, I object to the idea of making time travel make sense.
1: <laughs> so I, uh, right, here's uh, here's, here's going to be a statement that's gonna, really going to shock James in particular. Um, I subscribe here to the multiverse theory.
3: Oh, what a surprise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> For a change. So, so here's... Come up here's, with here's,
3: something that involves multiverses.
1: Yeah, here's what I like, right? That Captain America goes back in time. He creates a branch timeline where in that branch timeline, yes, the Marcus and McFeely thing stacks up. There are two Captain Americas living between those dates. And then at some point, somehow, old man Captain America makes his way back into our timeline, right? and that when he and then when he makes his way back into our timeline however that happens and i'm just saying finding a way to hop between multiverses feels like a fantastic forty kind of thing to me <laughs> um <laughs> that that would that he comes back with the shield and when he says to sam how does it feel like someone else is and he says it isn't that maybe in that timeline sam wilson has been captain america already and because I, I kind of like the idea that the Loki TV show that they're talking about is going to be set during that time when he takes the Space Stone. Because they've already talked about him like hopping between different times as well, right? Hopping throughout history. Um, maybe having an Infinity Stone would help him do that. Um, <laughs> I mean,
3: the Space Stone explicitly cannot travel through time. No, no. I'm not, no, having, but, I'm not but, having that.
1: That's the first one he's got. And then if he knows what the Avengers are doing, you can probably go and find the time one as well like <laughs> he gets an infinity gauntlet and travels through time. He just does it to be mischievous. He doesn't wipe out half of humanity. Just goes and has a jaunt. Uh but similarly he goes like
3: clicking his fingers at stuff.
1: We've got a One Division TV series. Uh, would that make sense to be in an alternate timeline given that we ain't got no vision? Um, and no they
3: can't keep setting TV series in alternate timelines right? it's confusing enough already
1: they can if it is in the specific this is the timeline where Captain America lives with Peggy Carter and also Marvel as part of their plans for Disney Plus have announced this animated what if TV show um, what if feels like a good way to introduce the idea of hey what if this different thing would have happened then you would have seen this instead oh hey we're actually doing that as well I mostly, I'll be honest. I mostly like the Fantastic Four part of this because if what if if the if you believe the Russos, if you subscribe to the Russo theory rather than the Marcus Featley theory, then I I like if they're saying we've been thinking about this for three years and this is the way we figured it out and we speci- we're specifically saying that Captain America has done this, then why would you do that without intent or why would you talk about that without intent? Would there not be something bedded into that? I mean,
3: can I make the point here that anything that is not in the movie can be safely disregarded as one person's opinion?
1: Yes, um, yeah, No. yeah, it can, yeah.
3: So, like, and, you know, the fact the that the Russos <laughs> and Marcus and McFeely contradict one another is just evidence that the movie itself has a kind of, you know, objective reality that isn't necessarily explained by <laughs> any one person's input.
1: I'm mo- Yeah, and I mostly think that... If you asked Kevin Feige, he would say, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to commit to evil. I was going to say, because- what Kevin
3: Feige would say <laughs> is, I'm not telling you anything until the next movie comes along and requires <laughs> us to make a statement of yeah. uncertainty. I think and, when you know, he- they've, they've already released a Spider-Man movie, which explicitly, like, fucks up the timeline completely. So clearly <laughs> they're not paying that much attention.
1: Maybe spider-man homecoming was set in the branch reality and that's what the times are, <laughs> are on <laughs> and like, maybe i think, I think when all something that matters like that happens is as long as
3: the as long as the movies make sense internally yeah it doesn't you know it doesn't matter it, that much if it, they get a bit weird once you try and start to string them together
1: it doesn't but also yeah. i'm invested in all of how they fit together and I want I would I would like it if this is actually a clever way to bed in a future plot point like that would be great and and honestly what I am happiest about with the, the thing that I would most like to accept is Kevin Feige hasn't decided yet and when it becomes convenient for him to pick one that makes it seem like he knew all along what he was doing and yeah. you get and you get to say, say it is a fantastic four movie five years from now, and it's like a uh, pre-credit scene, Reed Richards meeting branch timeline Captain America in nineteen forty-five or however you want to do it, right? Then I'm gonna go, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. This is why the <laughs> shared universe is better than all the others. <laughs> um and it, it doesn't matter to me whether they figured it out yet or not. <laughs>
2: It does just make me like... All, all of the complaining I saw down the years about Stephen Moffat's plotting on Doctor Who, but at least he understood how to make time travel work and have time travel rules and everything always fit together in that it's usually that it's that methodology of everything happens as it was meant to um you know so you you know you see glimpses of things and actually you know it's always i just i just prefer it that way
3: if you if you want so that, time travel what happens
2: when you get people who who understand how to write time travel plots
3: no one that's bullshit Stephen moffat is just as confused as everyone else how,
2: how many Two, have you watched james if
3: you if you want time travel to make sense watch primer and then you'll be like oh if it makes sense it's really confusing and boring okay
2: just do what rem- you like. I remember really enjoying Looper up to the point where that completely fucked up, making its own internal rules make sense.
3: <laughs> the problem Sam, is, Sam, like, as Sam soon as you hard. try and apply rules, it just yeah. breaks everything. Hmm.
2: No, but I think you can have rules that are your your own consistent rules. For all of the slagging off that the, the endgame does of Back to the Future, Back to the Future's internal rules work. Yeah. But endgames don't. Because Endgame contradicts itself, and it's and now we understand why. Because its it Do, contradict uh, well, each other. Does it? Does it contradict yeah, itself, or are you
3: adding in, like <laughs> you, what you're doing is adding in narrative beats that haven't been explicitly put there? Because yeah. like all you see is Captain America go to the past and then turn up old in the future. You don't know anything we, that happened between those yeah. two and points. It's not,
2: and it's not explicitly stated that that is the same Captain America that we knew and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
3: exactly. So, yeah. like you don't know that he was hopping influence. around dimensions in the meantime.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, that provided zero clarity.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of the shared universe, can we talk about the Ghost Rider TV series?
1: Yes, so this is... James, it's as if you've read the script. Uh, (laughs) 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 So, um, Hulu, uh, which uh, listeners might remember, was the uh, platform where the four animated Marvel shows, the Modoc and... um, Howard the Duck and whatever the other that all the, the the shows that sounded like I didn't want to watch Runaways is uh, <laughs> Hulu too, right? Uh, I believe so. I believe that was Hulu in, but but in a previous guys. This is mostly in like the in the post in the post Netflix Marvel era, right? In the post Disney Plus Marvel <laughs> era, we have these four shows coming that are animated, and there have been two more shows live action that have been announced. Uh, one which we can talk in, about in a minute is called Hellstrom, um, and the other <laughs> is Ghost Rider. And Ghost Rider has cast Gabriel Luna as. Um, it's Robbie Rodriguez, is it? The Robbie the, Reyes. Rob, Robbie Reyes is Robbie Rodriguez, a comic book guy. He's a director. <laughs> He's he, no, uh, no, that's Robert Rodriguez. Robbie yeah, Rodriguez is the uh, writer. Of Spider Gwen, isn't he? Yeah, that's that was. Yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah, fair. <laughs> that was that was why I was confused. Um, Robbie Reyes, so Gabriel Luna playing Robbie Reyes. Now, if that rings a bell, Gabriel Luna played Robbie Reyes in Agents of Shield, but Gabriel Luna will not be reprising his Agents of Shield role in this Hulu series. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's interesting that they've rehired the same actor. For a Ghost Rider show on Hulu to play the same character, but not the same character technically that he played on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It will not be part of the same continuity. James, you have thoughts.
3: (laughs) So what this is, is the, the TV arm of Marvel sort of finally acknowledging that for all the talk of there being a shared universe, it's really, it's not, it's not really happening, is it? Like well, they've wait. always they've always been like the the sort of you know, dingies in the wake of the ocean liner that is the movies. Well. And they've sort of gone, well, okay, if it if it makes more sense, we'll do a different Ghost Rider. And in a way I like this because it means that the chance of having a Daredevil movie has just gone right up.
1: <laughs> so if I... they're
3: willing to, to redo Ghost Rider, they can be willing to redo Daredevil.
1: Yeah I I mean I, I I I think we agree but I agree and disagree specifically with what one thing you just said I don't think this means that continuity is not happening in fact I think what it means is specifically it is about to happen and it's about to happen with the Disney plus shows and so I think your live action shows on Disney plus are going to be in continuity with the MCU Kevin Feige has just reiterated oh, those, yeah, that those they're going to absolutely a big part. will yes yeah. And and I think actually almost separating things out like this. I think uh well I, I think I think they're not gonna go back and say Agents of Shield was never in canon with the MCU. They're not gonna mention that. Uh I don't think they're gonna like <laughs> disavow disavow that show, but I think that show probably ends after the next season or two and we don't really discuss it anymore. Um but they now have I think what they probably now have is their in-canon shows. And they're out of canon shows. Because if you if you said Gabriel Luna was playing the same Ghost Rider in continuity with that previous version, then you have to be iffy about, well, is it in continuity to the MCU? I think that what they're launching on Hulu is the new Netflix Marvel, which is adult, more adult Marvel franchises, which they have no plans to introduce in the MCU. They don't want to make in continuity. So here is here is Hulu. Here is out of continuity Marvel shows. That would make sense, right? It's kind of their version of DC
2: Universe, isn't it?
3: Will Will um, yeah. Runaways and Ghost Rider be in continuity with one another?
1: I I imagine. because I
3: think I'm pretty sure Runaways is in continuity with Cloak and Dagger, which I is on a completely both, different network.
1: Yeah, I but think they're, both, they're, all they're, they're all MCU. Theoretically, theoretically, they're all MCU.
3: Yeah, in the same way the new Ghost Rider will be theoretically MCU.
1: Like I'm no, sure. No, see, I don't I I'm I su- think well, that the they will is, be like, explicitly. I'm sure here that the new not.
3: Ghost Rider will take place in a world where there is slash wasn't Iron Man or there is slash was a Thor and a Hulk. But other than that
1: I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I wonder whether they are they're explicitly going more adult oriented Marvel franchises not in continuity. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, it, it has worked. It's it's worked for DC. Yeah.
2: Um, and Marvel haven't done it yet, and I could see them doing it here.
1: Um, tell me about Hellstrom. <laughs> uh, must we? <laughs> well, they're making this on Hulu. He's
3: the son of Satan.
2: The only thing I know about Hellstrom is when when Kieran wrote him in to... Uh, journey into mystery the excellent journey into mystery arc uh, the manchester gods and had him hanging out in uh, the camden pub the world's end and basically turned him into a demonic marvel universe john constantine for a few pages
1: right so it sounds like this is going to follow uh damon and anna hellstrom son of the, who are the son and daughter of a powerful serial killer
2: Am I, am I right in James? Is is it generally Hellstrom's thing that he's sort of he's he's rebelled against? He, he's kind of blade, but for demons, right? Yeah, he's
3: like he he's the daughter daughter. He's the son <laughs> of the like biblical Lucifer, or the demon who was the biblical Lucifer. Mm.
2: But, but, he, he, but he he's not he fights like demons. Yeah, you
3: know? he's not evil, in you know, in the sense that he he's a bad guy he's like Mm. more of an anti-hero i guess
1: yeah and you'd imagine these two shows they're announced together you'd imagine they're in some kind of continuity together at the very least wouldn't you one would expect so so maybe i mean and i don't know whether this name is taken but you could say that marvel is building some kind of dark universe (laughs) on tv
3: (laughs) they they may well be (laughs)
1: i like i I like this though i like i like this idea that disney plus is your your kind of banner franchises that that link in with the marvel cinematic universe as a whole and as such are more kind of like four quadrant tv shows whereas over on hulu which disney now owns because of the fox deal um that they can put on shows like this that Allowed them to use their IP without kind of muddying the waters of the MCU. I mean, because I think it's been it's been a long time, right, since since it's been people, a long long time, Jeff. Since people thought about Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones as part of the MCU, even Agents of Shield, which was more directly linked. I mean daredevil i know in the first season you had like of all of those shows people going oh do you remember the incident oh it was the incident it was that green guy and the the guy with the hammer like all of those shows dropped that pretty swiftly and just kind of got on with doing their own thing (laughs) you say
3: dropped it they they all did it at various points throughout their entire run so they all pretended they were in in film continuity but actually they had things like
1: but it felt like There was one point where they, they showed
3: anything. the New York skyline and there was no Stark Tower. And lots of people are going like, Where's Stark Tower? Why isn't, why isn't Stark Tower in this? And it's like, because it's because it's not the same it's universe.
1: Not, well, because it's not within the CG budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I I think this makes sense. Um it, it, it makes me more certain now that, yeah, those. Those Netflix shows aren't coming back in any capacity, but I think you're right, James. That potentially something like Daredevil or Luke Cage could make that those characters could potentially make their way to the MCU eventually, because I hope so. everything I think mean, everything prior to this is going to be disavowed. <laughs> 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 just it—it's it, been taken out of continuity, like Star Wars did. They just—they just got rid of all the. Well, that's
3: the thing, isn't it? Right, stuff is only canon until it isn't yeah and, you and know, it goes th- both ways the star trek animated series was non-canon for years and suddenly or more recently everyone has been saying like "Oh, actually yeah that's in canon now
1: and if and if you and if you know that ma- the majority of your audience don't really consider it canon either
3: then <laughs> <laughs> <But> the <laughs> you, you majority of the well. audience hasn't seen it
1: that is very like true.
3: no one no one's going to be like i'm not going to see that daredevil movie because there was a previous daredevil and this wrecks that continuity like, no, they'll want to, like, millions of people will want to see the Daredevil movie.
1: I tell you what, I wish Disney Plus, uh, no, not Disney Plus, I wish Hulu would pick up that New Warriors series. That <laughs> sounded fun. That was, the, that was the one Marvel TV show that they announced at any, po- point, any point there towards the end. That I was like, yeah, I'd be up for that. I mean, I never watched an episode of Runaways or Cloak and Dagger. Just didn't really feel like they were for me.
3: What was Whereas, that? Um, what was that DC one set in the insurance company?
1: Uh,
2: powerless.
3: Yeah, because powerless. Having watched powerless, I'm sort of glad that the comedy superhero sitcom did not get made because that was not great.
1: Well, they almost made Damage Control as well, didn't they? Marvel, and then that got that got nixed and uh, built into Spider-Man: Homecoming instead. Um, okay, let's let's briefly jump over to DC. Um, for our last bit of news, uh, because the, um, the suicide squad, uh, is, is having its cast filled out. Daniela Melchior has been cast as rat catcher, um, who I know you guys were talking about previously and were quite excited about or not. I can't remember. You thought it was bizarre. Um, and David Dasmalshin, who, um, is, uh, has appeared in both the Ant-Man movies. He has been and cast in as... Dark Knight. Pol- yes, and in Dark Knight. And he was in the Flash TV show. Seb, I don't know whether you got that far. Turned up as a... I can't remember which villain, but he was a good little villain for a couple of episodes in the um, in the Savitar season of the Flash. Um, he's been cast as Polka-Dot Man. So we thought both <laughs> of these characters were turning up. Um, but it sounds like James Gunn's going to have some fun with this. Is Rat was Ratcatcher female in the comics? Uh, I don't recall.
2: I you mentioned talk, I don't remember us talking about this. <laughs>
1: yeah, we talked about we, we talked definitely about talked about Polka Suicide Night. Squad. Yeah, and you talked about Ratcatcher because otherwise um, I wouldn't know Ratcatcher. It was Catcher the was. same
3: time we talked about Idris Elba, right?
1: Yeah. I don't
2: remember that. I remember talking about Idris Elba. I don't remember talking about Ratcatcher. Separate. You don't.
1: You don't remember major plot points from the movies we've been watching on the podcast (laughs) in the last month so (laughs) yeah your your slow memory loss is becoming a running bit on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) to the to the point that i'm genuinely worried for you (laughs) (laughs) it's just what happens
3: just what happens when you have kids joe you'll know yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Um so yeah, so um David Dasmalchin, I, I like that dude. I think he's funny yeah. and I'm I, I'm glad that James Gunn's gonna be able to because I, I doubt what's his character called in Ant-Man <laughs> You're asking me to remember? It's him and him and T.I. they're the comedy double acts that everybody loves.
3: Nope.
1: He is Kurt Kurt, oh, yeah. everyone loves Kurt, and Ti is Dave. Kurt and Dave, Kurt and Dave, everyone's favourites. Um, but yeah, i I think he'll I think he'll be good in a in a James Gunn movie. And then yeah, uh, Ratcatcher, who when you Google Ratcatcher, looks like one of the most hideous characters. Um, and Danielle Danielle who's a, a relative newcomer, I think she's um, starred in films in. I think she's from Portugal. Yeah. Uh, in her native Portugal, um looks like one of the most attractive women on the planet. So um I'm sure James Gunn's probably
3: <laughs> thinking uh, of a way to kill her off.
1: <laughs> Maybe so, James. Uh yeah, so so that's that's the latest casting news on um on I've already forgotten the name. Let's call it Suicide Squad 2. Um the suicide squad yeah and then the rumors are that James Gunn will be shooting Guardians of the Galaxy 3 next year which would again suggest a 2021 release for that movie which is I think when we were all expecting it as well so it's all lining up that's it for the news but Seb you've got something that you want to talk about before we get to Aquaman yeah, I
2: I wanted us to kind of actually properly do uh, a minisode or something on this or part of a minisode on it, but you've you've resolutely refused to watch it uh yet, which I don't understand why. So I'm I'm
1: uh, I can I can tell you why. 22 Marvel films in 16 days I think it was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you're part of the problem because it is quite clear now um that despite being the best superhero TV show since Agent Carter despite having 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, season two of The Tick is obviously going to be the last season of The Tick because nobody's talking about it and nobody's watching it. And I don't understand why, because do you remember how much In we fairness, liked season one of The Tick?
3: This this is the fault of Amazon's marketing machine, not the people yeah, who true. aren't watching well, it.
2: Do, do you know what the marketing is for The Tick? It's Griffin Newman's Twitter account. Yeah. That is all of the marketing that I have seen for The Tick. I've seen nothing else. I've not even seen much of it on Peter Serafinowicz's Twitter account. And I think he's probably got more followers than Griffin Newman. Um, but it's, yeah, you remember how much we liked season one of The Tick. Joe and I, we absolutely loved it. I, I adored it. The second half, I think, wasn't, didn't quite hit the heights of the first half. But as a whole, it was fantastic. Season two is absolutely Phenomenal! It's so good. It takes everything that the first season did well, which was the humour and the character stuff. It it does that stuff further. It better expands some of the characters from the first season, specifically uh, Overkill and Dot, who are absolutely brilliant. I'm I'm completely kind of like head over heels for Valerie Curry as Dot now after this second season. Um, But also, it throws them into a superhero world which you didn't really get in the first season in the first season you know you had the the past but the idea was that pretty much all the superheroes had gone away or been wiped out the premise of season two is that as a result of the events of season one and the defeat of the terror superheroes have started to re-emerge and Aegis the agency that basically registers and controls superheroes um, has reestablished. Um, uh, like an embassy or whatever, an outpost in the city. So they're back. You get various other heroes thrown in, um, and it just has real fun with kind of expanding um, and kind of adding these new characters. Um, It's got, oh, and I've already forgotten the actor's name, which is really irritating, uh, comedy actor in Parks and Recreation um, as Augustine St. Clement, the radio host from Eagleton, John Hodgman. Um Judge, George Hodgman, John Hodgman,
1: uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, John Hodgman. He is he's fantastic as a as a recurring character in it. Um, uh, Joe, you'll be pleased to know that um, that they take Miss Lint in a very... Like, she is very prominent in the second season, and they right. take her in an interesting and surprising direction and do some very interesting and surprising things with her. And what's great about it is, in, in the arc that they do with her and in the arc that they do with Overkill and Dot, and even to an extent still with with Arthur and the Tick as well, uh, and actually the another kind of villain in inverted commas character called Lobstercules... Um, it's all about the question of being a hero or not, and the blurred lines between being a hero and being a villain. And the tick has to come to terms with his understanding of what he thinks is a hero and what he thinks is a villain. Um it also it does a similar thing with Superian. So obviously you had Superian, their their Superman analogue from the first season. Um having to deal with the fact that the public have started to not like him very much. Um, and so there's some great stuff with him getting increasingly annoyed about how he's talked about on social media. Um, and there's a there's, there starts to be a question of whether he'll start to turn bad. But again, that's kind of taken in some surprising and quite funny direction. And genuine like Brendan Hines, who plays Superion, I would be happy to watch him as Superman in a in a Superman film or TV show. He's that it's just I just love it. It's just it's warm and funny and clever and full of character. And um, it's also got uh, Stephen Ogg, who I was trying to figure out where I knew him from until I looked up and discovered that he is the model and voice of Trevor Phillips in GTA 5. Um, (laughs) So that's a bit weird, having Trevor Phillips playing a superhero. Um, But yeah, it's just, I, I just, I really... If you listen to this podcast and you like the kind of things that we like and you have Amazon, please, please, please watch The Tick because, as I say, like genuinely, I've not enjoyed a show that is set in the general superhero comic book milieu since Agent Carter and it's gonna suffer the same fate as Agent as Agent Carter, which is have a good first season that some people like and talk about, and a brilliant second season that nobody talks about, and then it gets cancelled and disappears. Um and you know at least Agent Carter, you know, we've had our payoff for that. Um <laughs> I ideally hope we get more of the tick because yeah, it's brilliant. Everyone involved is is brilliant. Um, one of my favorite things about it is the fact that it's like the episodes are only half an hour long, which means that whenever I watch one, it's not long before I get to watch the opening title sequence and theme music again, which is also <laughs> one of my favorite things about it. Um, so yeah, I just I can't recommend it enough. Seriously, please watch it.
1: So Seb, I think it, I, it's it is curious to me why this show that is that is well reviewed, that's well liked. Um, that is a superhero show that is delving into kind of you're right, the meaning of heroes and and I think to an extent why we are so attracted to these stories right now. Mm, yeah. Uh why that show isn't doing doesn't doesn't have the place in the wider pop culture dialogue that it deserves. Um I did actually, like, last night dive into the tick season two, uh, (laughs) watch, watch an episode before bed. And I was, I, I was also kind of surprised by kind of how laid back a, a pace and a tone it seemed to have for the first episode back for the second season. Um, it's a show that I, you know, I loved the first, the first season, the first episode, um, It didn't massively grab me, but I like, I can see the threads of the stuff that you're talking about and I will, I will continue watching, but I don't know whether it's, I don't know whether it's visually or whether it is, whether it is the pacing of the thing. But like the first episode didn't go to me. Oh, Joe, you have to watch the rest of these episodes like in the next couple of days. To be fair, I I would. I remember kind of thinking that
2: in the kind of first episode, or even maybe like the first couple. I can't remember if it was in episode two or episode three where it really started to click. I think you're right. I think episode one just very much feels like. It's picking up with the characters again, kind of, and the the storytelling.
1: but it almost seems like it's like, and here's like, and here's just a continuation of this life. Like, Mm. what if, what if we just picked up with these characters? You've just done these amazing things yesterday, and we have to go back to normal life tomorrow. Do you Mm. you, you know, like that? uh, I don't know. it, It felt, it felt kind of. It felt like a weird approach to me that there wasn't like this bang, this is what season two is.
2: Yeah, I th- I think that comes in the next episode or two. And yeah. once it hits that, as I say, just you know, I was just finding that every time I finished an episode, I was desperate to watch the next one. I was invested in what was happening. I was invested in the characters. I think you're right that it starts a bit slow. And I wonder if that has had an impact in terms of even people who liked the first season, like you, might have tried the second season, gone, yeah, okay, it's not really doing anything new. And then just not bother to go back, which is a real shame because it really is doing a lot different. I haven't even mentioned Tyrannosaurus Rathbone, um, who is their Nick Fury, basically, and, right. and is brilliant. Um yeah, it's just yeah, really really persist with it. And as someone who particularly someone who was a fan of Miss Lint, um, I think you'll really get on with what they do with her.
1: I loved Miss Lint. I thought she was great.
2: I'm just gonna say one word in relation to Miss Lint that, that will that you'll get when you've watched more of it. Edgelord. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, Edge
1: Edgelord is currently a running bit on blank check, so um Oh right. Look- Maybe they've look- done that potentially looking forward yeah. to that though maybe they've done that deliberately as yeah. a reference <laughs> yeah.
3: do you know what okay. I think the problem here is just that there are too many superhero tv series and like yeah but this is better than the other ones <laughs> yeah but it's so hard to care about all of them and like I the tick is explicitly yeah but we don't yeah but we don't care
1: property. about any of them james we don't care about any <laughs> of i
3: mean i mean people in general we don't we
1: don't care about any <laughs> no of them. but i don't think people in general do like people in general i think have one or two each maybe that they maximum like. but like really like if you if you go into work tomorrow and say what's the superhero tv show that you're watching right now and you probably if if, if people do watch them it'll probably be a different show for each person
3: <laughs> i think mo- for most people the answer will be none
1: yeah well but but that's how in- that's interesting right <laughs> that there isn't there isn't <laughs> yeah that a, there are isn't all these a shows superhero. and
3: people aren't watching them or at least not people our age
1: <laughs> or not that have not heard, that have got kind of a grip on conversation but but i mean in general tv doesn't it is these you know everyone's talking about game of thrones as kind of like the last show that we'll all watch together and then at the same time i mean that's a thought,
3: that's a mad thing to say anyway because clearly that's not going to happen like you could have said that about breaking bad
1: I mean, I think this I think this is the last show we'll all watch together for a long time until
3: oh yeah t- until until the next Game of Thrones comes along
1: yeah, but where where will the next one come along? That's the well, question who, who knows but. because Game of Thrones came along before we had streaming and before the audience segmented in such a way. I think the next one will come along once the once the kind of streaming landscape settles back down to an equilibrium but we're about to get apple tv and disney plus on top of netflix and amazon prime and hulu and (laughs) and all of the traditional broadcasters launching their own streaming services as well um it's it's going to be pretty spread out for a while but i think uh, going back to the tech i think that is one of its main problems it's on amazon prime (laughs) yeah definitely a platform a platform that has a real clunky um user face and doesn't market it shows pretty well i don't agree with that i I much
2: prefer watching video on uh amazon prime to well because well then again i I mean i have a fire stick so it's like loading the show on a fire stick (laughs) i have a a fire stick and it's going into netflix
3: (laughs) i have a fire stick and it's so slow and bad that i barely use it
2: uh, on, I, on my I phone, the only thing I prefer experience. about Netflix is that Netflix has picture-in-picture Picture on Android, and Amazon doesn't. But otherwise, watching a video on Amazon—I mean, it crashes sometimes. But...
1: <laughs> it crashes
3: sometimes, and if you do a it search, you get loads of weird YouTube videos that have been self-published.
2: But aside from that, I, X-ray is handy. I wish Netflix had X-ray.
1: I was—I um, was having this conversation with Reece though when he was here when we were watching Endgame. We were saying we both set each other the challenge of like, what name name an Amazon Prime TV show that's that's on now. And the only (laughs) the only one that we could both come up with was Marvelous Miss Maisel because it won a Golden Globe and it and it it has that's the one that seems to have grabbed some kind of wider cultural recognition.
3: That's the only one I've watched. And um, I guess Mr. Robot uh, is on that, but it's not an Amazon program, so.
1: No, and yeah, and and I honestly, I still couldn't tell you. Is Bosch? Are they still making Bosch? Maybe I I don't. I don't
3: know if they're still making Man in the High Castle. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no. The fact, the fact is right.
2: There's, a, I'm, there's a I'm a that, huge. They're not making them, but they got like Amazon. Um, got American Gods. They've got um, uh, Good Omens coming up.
1: Yeah, but that's not. That, I mean, like, I can say that Netflix has things on it. But I mean, like, I yeah, I I don't. Uh,
2: Good Good Omens is an Amazon production.
1: Right. Okay. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Good it, for them. I, d- I I unless I think if uh if Lord of the Rings turns up and is anything other than a mega mega smash hit uh amazon will get out of the tv streaming game because they'll <laughs> by that point they'll have been trying it for long enough and spend enough money on it that um it won't be worthwhile anymore
2: they've got the boys coming up as well but that's not going to be a success because that's going to suffer from exactly the same problems as the tick and it's probably yeah. not going to be as good I'm pretty the sure. thing
3: like the thing that tells me they're in trouble is that i'm a huge tick fan but I just can't get enthusiastic enough to actually load up Amazon Prime because it's that much of a chore.
1: <laughs> it's not that much of a chore. It is not that, that much, much of a chore, chore James.
2: <laughs> Right, I have just told you that The Tick is the best TV show since Agent Carter and you like The Tick. If it's too much of a chore to load up an app to, to load up an it. extremely
3: bad app, yeah.
2: It's fine. It does the job. It's, fine. it's better than all
1: four. It's, yeah, it's better not, than ITV. IT yeah, evil. I
3: don't watch all four
1: <laughs> It's not that bad, James. James, what was the last TV show you watched?
3: The last TV show, Sabrina Series 2. I only watch Netflix right. at the moment. Netflix and iPlayer.
1: Right, okay. We iPlayer need to find, need to find some there. way to trick James. We found out that Sentinels isn't enough. So <laughs> we need to find some way to... <laughs> so maybe we draw a netflix logo over over the prime button on his tv i do i do wish the tick was on netflix because if the tick was on netflix
2: it could be doing umbrella academy numbers
3: but... i mean that was true of agent carter as well that wasn't it if agent carter yeah. had been on netflix it would have been on series three by now would have been back
1: four or five. agent carter on disney plus
3: <sighs> i mean we i feel like we have to let Haley atwell live her life what, what no one can she say do? she hasn't given it a fair go.
1: I bet she would be thrilled to do a third season of that. Genuinely thrilled. <laughs> She's been reposting all of her, um, all dub those smash dub smash stuff, videos yeah. that she did, just reminding me what a time it was to be alive with Agent Carter on phase <laughs> yeah, phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Agent Carter on TV at the same time. <sighs> that was yeah
3: (laughs) we had age of ultron to look forward to
1: oh be still my beating (laughs) heart okay uh that's so that was all of the comic book movie tv news and um random superhero discussion uh we'll move on now uh, to our spoiler filled discussion of James Wan's Aquaman. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer for the movie. But not that two and a half minute version with the action scene in the middle. I'll spare you that. <laughs>
0: My father was a lighthouse keeper my mother was a queen but life is a way of bringing people together he could unite our worlds one day
2: check it out author is talking to the fish
0: oh, they made me what i am To come aboard. I've been looking for you. Your half-brother, King Orm, is about to declare war upon the surface world. The only way to stop this war is for you to take your rightful place as king.
2: Trust me, I am no king.
0: You do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. That was the worst pet talk ever. Might want to strap in. Welcome home. My,
2: My brother has come from the surface
0: to challenge me for the throne. I
1: call it an ass whooping. <laughs> choice I came to save my home and the people that I love
0: You think you're unworthy to lead because you're of two different worlds But that is exactly why you are worthy That was awesome the war is coming to the surface and I'm bringing the wrath of the seven seas with me
1: okay listeners it is the podcast that you've been waiting checks watch five months for uh we, we have finally got around to watching aquaman uh which was released in cinemas last december um and then we were going to do it again as soon as the ud came out and it didn't fit and then we were going to do it before end game and it didn't fit um so here it is we are finally talking about james Wan's action uh, action man aquaman uh (laughs) all two hours 23 minutes of it and i would say that given that this is you know what best part of 40 minutes shorter than end game this is a movie that feels (laughs) two hours and 23 minutes long
3: you really feel that (laughs) runtime
1: yeah it's too. It's too long. <laughs> right, Seb, James, and I watched this in cinemas back in December, but you yep. watched it for the first time uh, when it was released on home video a couple of weeks ago. Yep. So, please, can you recap the plot of Aquaman? For <laughs> and do not, don't you dare open Wikipedia.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, Nicole Kidman, who is the Queen of Atlantis, whose name I can't remember. Uh, atlana sorry atlana atlana yeah um i can't remember how and why she washes up on the shore of a lighthouse but she does um and so you get sort of there's like a few minutes of of um splash style literal fish out of water comedy um and she falls in love with the lighthouse keeper Uh, And they have a child, but then she uh, gets taken back to Atlantis, where she's the queen of, but she's kind of run away from. Uh, The child grows up to become the superhero we know as Aquaman. Uh, He kills a pirate, and the pirate's son gets really angry at him. Uh, Then Mira, who he sometimes seems to know but other times kind of doesn't know that well like he knew her really well in justice league and then doesn't know her that well in this film which is set after justice league uh comes to warn him because uh his brother well his half brother because it's lana's son but not his dad's son obviously um is kind of making a play to, to try and unite all of the kingdoms of the sea to fight a war against the surface people. Um, So actually he was responsible for recruiting the pirate that was attacking Atlantis. Um, So Mira basically tries to get Aquaman to help stop this war from happening. Uh, They learn from... um, uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Willem Dafoe, who I kept expecting to turn out to be a baddie but didn't um that uh, that there's a special trident that can be wielded by the true king of Atlantis and if they go and get this trident he'll have the power to fight his half brother and stop this war from happening so you get a boring extended sequence in the desert where they go and get this trident uh, which we there's a question mark over whether or not he'll get it, even though the trailers had shown him holding it. <laughs> um, and then he goes to Atlantis. Uh, no, wait. He Well, he goes to Atlantis before the Trident, doesn't he? He goes to Atlantis <laughs> and fights his half-brother and loses and gets rescued by Mira. And then they go and get the Trident. And then he goes back to Atlantis, and they probably have another fight, but I really had stopped paying attention by this point. Yeah. Oh. Um, and uh, That's when we get the Brian King. Yeah, you do get the Brian King. Love um, the Brian uh, King. Somewhere around all of this, uh the son of the pirate who he killed has become Black Manta, but nobody else in the film gives a shit about him in the slightest. <laughs> um and I don't think anybody making the film gave a shit about him either. All disagree.
1: Um, Hard disagree
2: uh oh i think he's terrible but we'll get to that i think he's honestly one of the worst the the worst and least developed and least interesting villains i've ever seen in any one of these films um and uh finally arthur wins basically oh he wins because they get the big massive he he because of his powers where he can actually because he's not it's not just that um it's not that all Atlanteans can actually talk to fish. He can talk to fish specially because he's special Aquaman for some reason. Don't think it's ever explained why he has that telepathic ability and nobody else does. But he's able to control an absolutely ginormous kaiju, basically. Uh the film turns into Pacific Rim for a bit. Um they have a big fight. <laughs> I and- wish he wins, and oh, I tell you what, rewatched Pacific Rim recently, and having loved it the first time, it drags until all the fighting starts in the second half. It's really boring for about an hour before all the fighting <laughs> starts, which I didn't expect because I loved it the first time. That's beside the point. Can you tell that we're putting off really talking about this film by talking about <laughs> other films instead? You're
1: putting it off now. I mean, you're you're re- you're t- you're talking me back through the plot of Aquaman, and I'm going. Oh, I remember having fun with this movie. This movie <laughs> well, is fun. <laughs> this movie's fun. It I is fun. all of that stuff that
2: I've described should and could have been a lot more fun than I than I remember it being because it, it just it just dragged for me. Anyway, he wins in the end and and is the king of Atlantis. Oh, and and Nicole Kidman um is actually alive because uh, she she survived in the quantum realm um, when they thought that yes. she'd been killed. But she was living in the quantum realm all of that time and survived. Because it was exactly the same as Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> like, exactly the same. Um, even down to the white hair um but yeah so she was actually alive um and then and there's actually it does quite a nice thing which is that they don't kill off his brother like they arrest his brother so they do what black panther should have done and actually have him around kind of accepting that he's lost and that he's been arrested and that's what black panther should have done so i quite liked that and also because i like patrick wilson and i actually liked that character as a villain so yeah
1: so you pre the podcast said uh that aquaman has one of the worst villains and I thought you were talking about Orm and I was like, a bit harsh, <laughs> bit harsh mate, but you're talking about Black Manta. I'm I talking thought about Black Manta. I yeah. like I like the performance. I love the character. Oh, he's like the
2: performance is fine. He's working hard, but he's given absolutely nothing. I, because do you know what it is? I think it's partly you compare him to a lot of these sympathetic villains, and I, I'm sorry, but the obvious comparison is probably Killmonger in terms of, you know, <laughs> a villain who, who who is not afraid to kill people, but who you're sympathetic to because he kind of has a point, and they Does he- never give that to him. At- no, uh, Killmonger. I mean, Killmonger okay. has kind of has a point. Yeah. They they don't give that to Black Manta. The point about Black Manta is he's a he's unequivocally he's a pirate. And he's angry at Aquaman because Aquaman lets his dad die. Aquaman lets his Mm -hmm. dad die after his dad has just shot him with a rocket launcher. (laughs) So, to be honest, I don't think Black Manta's got a leg to stand on.
1: (laughs) Well, his dad definitely doesn't. (laughs) Um, Right. Here is my defence of that character. Uh, I think that moment at the start plays as real callous from, uh, from... Aquaman so at that moment I mean again that's that sequence is the one that when I was watching the film I was like oh hang on a second this is this movie has got its tongue in its cheek and it's got a bit of swagger at the same time so what it it is basically doing the more the more recent take on Thor which is this guy is cool and awesome but also he's a bit of a doofus and so that that opening sequence where he's like he's kind of like flicking his hair back and slow motion strutting through the ship when he's going to take on Black Manta and his dad, and then and then you see him you see him leave the guy to die, and I remember going like, "Oh, that feels like it's a, no, I agree, it's a bit that's harsh. not heroic." And then and then I and see here's where I think the the, the defense of Black Manta and the lack of development that they give him is fine black manta's not the villain of this movie black manta is black manta is a secondary villain who has a side plot that is setting up a future movie I, so
2: I, I, I-, I mean i think you're being generous because i think black manta is just a guy who happens to be around while this movie's
3: going. <laughs> yeah he's it's not he's not really a character but. in the movie <laughs> He's just well, they, in some subplots.
1: But they but they set they set him up in the mid-credit scene. So in the mid-credit scene, he kind of after after his defeat to Aquaman midway through the movie, he's rescued by Dr. Stephen Shin, uh played by uh Randall Park, right, from um yep. from and Fresh the, Off the Boat. And the and DC
2: Marvel crossover. Yeah, yeah.
1: more recently, Ant Man and the Wasp. Yep. Um and that, that that feels very obviously setting up a sequel where Black Manta is the villain. And so what I think you've got is actually here is a B-level villain who the movie was kind of setting up as like establishing in this movie to bring back in a proper way as the main villain for a sequel. But rather than do what most movies do, which is give that character like a scene <laughs> in the background, they gave him a whole subplot. And so I think they actually gave him more for the level of character that he was. Yeah, uh, see, I, than I, I he thought deserved. what you were going to
2: say was rather than do what other movies do and give him a personality that makes you go, oh, I can't wait until they do a film where he's the villain, which is basically what Green Lantern did with its massively hubristic setting up Sinestro for the sequel. And you get to the end of, of Green Lantern and they set up Sinestro as the villain. And you're like, oh, well, I wish Sinestro had been the villain of this film. That would have been much more interesting. And
1: I, I don't get that feeling with Black Manta. <laughs> Still though, this movie made 1.148 billion dollars, and we will we will be seeing the the continuation of the yeah, Black it's, it's story. It's not hubristic
2: for them to set up a sequel to this because yeah, it's going to get one, and and hopefully they'll give him some development. But actually, can they make Sinestro the villain in in a? <laughs> that would
1: be quite good. No, I think uh, I think Mark Strong's going to be playing Namor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
2: <laughs> no, instead. he's going to be
1: in the Shazam sequel.
2: Actually, that <laughs> might not get a sequel because that box office. Woo. It's not done well. It's not done terribly. It's not it's done terribly, but it's not done well. It's not done as well as it deserved to.
1: That's anyway. Stop. Point. Stop. Not talking about. I'm well <laughs> up for. I'm honestly. I'm back in the Aquaman in the Aquaman mold. So pre-title. The 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 kind of the the introduction stuff with Atl- Atlanta and his dad, um, who is played by Tamira Morrison, but uh, Thomas Curry. Right? I was just looking for the character name. So Thomas Curry and Atlana, and they have this thing where, uh, well, they've CGI de aged uh, both of them for this opening sequence. And when they're CGI de aged, they kind of look reasonable together. I mean, <laughs> I Nicole Kidman say, is still the... like this goddess. I, mean, I, I,
2: I was going to say, I think he's punching, to be honest. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> the is. The least
3: believable when... thing about this incredibly unbelievable film is that <laughs> relationship. <laughs> well, it's like, brilliant. I know it's beauty brilliant. is only skin deep. There. Jesus. Come on. But
1: like it kind it kinda of makes sense in that nineteen eighty-five sequence. And then cut forward twenty-five <laughs> years and you have Tamura Morrison looking like Tamura Morrison does now with his beer gut and his like dressed in his like shabby fisherman clothes. And then Alana walks out still looking like, like, like a supermodel. Yeah. And and they embrace and actually like I, I think the moment's really sweet that like the guy that Aquaman's dad goes out to the pier every day to wait and see whether she'll return, and then she <laughs> I mean, does. if I was
3: punching that far above my weight, I would be waiting on the pier every day as well. <laughs> I'd be like, if it's gonna happen, I can't miss it. I cannot miss
1: it. <laughs> uh, but I think that moment, I think that moment genuinely sweet. Whilst the the actual visual of <laughs> it is is hilarious, but like. This is another thing about this movie. I kind of like everyone in it, right? And I think Nicole Kidman is incredibly well cast as as the Queen of Atlantis. She's the
3: one that I came out of the film going like, "Oh, I want to see more of her."
1: Yeah, just because she gets that
3: one really cool action sequence, and you're like, "Oh, Nicole Kidman was actually kind of built for this."
1: Yeah, (laughs) she's fantastic, and I think Tamara Morrison has like I think he has great chemistry with Jason Momoa. Uh, I think the sequences between them are really nice and he feels like he feels like great casting as your like salt of the earth uh, land dweller father of mm. a- a- of Aquaman who kind of grounds him to that, you know, gives him this like connection to the surface world. Although again,
3: um, the, looking at them together, the genetics doesn't really line up. <laughs>
1: he's he's half son of a goddess like it's fine i would
3: say he's he's about two two thirds to three quarters son of a goddess
1: (laughs) so i i mean i i kind of like i liked the i liked the setup with those characters and then i I, i'll be honest the, the stuff that i really don't care for in this movie is any of the actual world building like i'm glad that there is a world but, like, it's all confusing. like and I, and I found it difficult to care about... You know, they bed in lots of flashbacks throughout the movie, don't they? So you kind of, like, find out more about, like, how Aquaman was trained and what his connection is to Atlantis, even though he's grown up on the land. And Volko was training him. Volko, the Will- Willem Dafoe character, was training him. And, like, at the point where he found out that his mum had probably died and he found out that, like... You know, it's like, oh, you've been trained for this reason. I just, I, I find it very difficult to care or track any of that. And like the politics of, oh, we finally find out what the, the seven were. The seven kingdoms yeah. of, uh, it was never seven members of the Justice League, honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was never supposed to be seven members of the Justice League. And Aquaman just had that on his poster because there's seven kingdoms in in the underwater realm. Yeah. Um, I, d- I didn't care about any of that but I kind of liked that James Wan had all those elements that he could play with. So did like they even... yes. I was going to say cool. did
3: they even show all seven kingdoms?
1: Uh well there's there's Orms kingdom, right? <laughs> yeah. The main Atlantis kingdom, there is the Brian King, who I, who is my my favorite character in this movie. Uh there is the there's the 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 people that are the well there's the there's uh Dolph Lundgren's people and Amber Heard's people that's three uh then you have she's from Zebel isn't she she's she's from Dolph Lundgren's place
3: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah so that's so the 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 main two in the Brian king that's the three (laughs) and then there's the fourth one that is the fisherman the fishermen, because it it is the fishermen. They are the <laughs> they um, are the fishermen. Are they, they're the gem J- on Yeah, right. Where does it fall in the Jamon? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then are the are the it it are the uh, what what are the trench people? The are trench, they are, yeah. are they are they? So that's five. I mean, so I'm going to guess that we probably saw them all. I can't <laughs> remember them. But I'm going to guess that we probably did see them all. I
3: mean, they're all quite similar, aren't they?
1: Well, apart from the Brine King.
3: Well, the Trench and the Brine are quite similar. Can you tell me the difference between the Trench and the Brine? The um, Brine
2: King is voiced by a horrendous right-wing uh, <laughs> arsehole. <laughs> oh,
1: no. It's John rhys I... Davis. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like I can separate art and real life here. <laughs> if you see any art, let us know. <laughs> I love the Brian King. Um <laughs> so yeah, I kind of I, I kind of thought all of that like all of the, the stuff that the, the the underwater toy box that James Wan had to play with, I thought he played with it in a fun, goofy way. The movies like the movies it's it's big and it's dumb. And I think it's too like I, I do think it should be it should be like a hundred minutes rather than one hundred and forty three that it ends up as. <sighs> but I like after not caring about not caring for Jason Momoa's performance in Justice League, I think here they find a better balance with it.
3: He certainly gets He's... a lot more nuance. Like he gets to display a range of emotions which he didn't really get to do in Justice League. Yeah. Like, he has more than one mode here, and that's, you know, it balances out the, like, you know, the the sort of surfer broness of it. Like, that stuff becomes a lot more fun when it's juxtaposed against actual, relatable human emotions as well.
1: I don't think actual, relatable human emotions is what I liked about the movie, though.
3: <laughs> no, what I, mean, I liked my- was the bit where they dropped the Toto sampling pitbull track across the desert
1: <laughs> the uh the, the sea of the land yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes the sea of the land there's uh, there's there's so much dumb stuff in this but like i say that uh, do you agree like it feels like the movie has its tongue in its cheek the whole time
3: yeah it knows it's stupid right and it's it's taking inspiration like they said when they were making it they they wanted to do a sort of romancing the stone type film and yeah. it said it's best for me when they're doing that kind of scene when they've got Mira and arthur and they're doing the kind of you know spiky little bit screwball but not quite screwball sort of thing
1: mm. where the sequence that seb described as boring yeah yeah I mean, that's actually, I...
3: like that's actually my favorite that <laughs> and the sicily scenes are my two favorite the bits where i came out thinking like oh i'd like no, to have I... seen those movies
2: I I was being a bit glib. I I I think it's just partly. I think I find that the setting is kind of a bit played. And I think the thing the thing about Aquaman is it's got a setting already that you don't see a lot in film because you can't. You know, nobody's been able to realize underwater in in film in that way. So when it kind of takes you out of it and goes and does something that other films have done, it's a bit. Well, yeah, but I've seen this. That said. Yes, actually, the I think the character stuff is probably at its most enjoyable when they're doing that. Um, although it is that scene that raises, I think, the biggest question about the kind of overall premise and stuff that they've built because you get that scene where the Atlantean soldiers are chasing them down in, in Sicily and um, one of them, their helmet breaks and he has to go and plunge his head in the toilet um, so that he can breathe. And what they've done is they've basically gone... Well, we've got this setup where um Arthur is um half human so so he can he can breathe on the surface, yeah, so you know they've sort of gone well we um we need to have other characters able to speak above the surface, so we come up with this ridiculous rule where if they're high born they can breathe on the surface, but we still get to have our fun with the soldiers who have to wear the special helmets that they can live on the surface, and it's yeah. That just felt to me a bit I I was just watching that going, Well, you know, I, I understand why you've done this fun scene where the guy suddenly it's like a reverse breaking if you Yeah. But um it doesn't square with the fact that we've already seen Nicole Kidman above the surface being absolutely fine. And the rule being if you're highborn is a bit Well, why? <laughs> you know
3: <laughs> It does feel a bit like they did that so that they can A have a bunch of CGI people wearing fish armor for the fights, yeah. and B do a hilarious toilet head in the toilet gag.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I can re- refute any of that because I don't remember it well enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. It's possible that James Wan has thought of that, and there is a, there is a reason for that.
3: No, I think I, I think Sam's right. It's just that the the high one people can you know breathe out of water and the peons can't but Mm. there's no reason for that to be in the film other than you know it explains why the armies aren't all just immediately out there i don't know who knows
2: Mm.
1: yeah because i mean
3: (sighs) the thing is right they they attack the surface with a giant tidal wave and that is more devastating than anything they could have done with troops
1: Yeah, I I do you know I like that stuff at the start when they when they attack the surface and they like throw up all the trash back onto the surface world. I think that's a that's a cool little idea. Um but yeah, at the same time I uh, like I think the problem is that I don't care about mo- most of the actual plot mechanics of this movie. Like I I'm having fun scene to scene, but uh, and, and like I can kind of get invested in the little episodic adventures that, that they go off on. So like Right. Okay. Now Arthur and Mira. Uh, now Arthur's at Atlantis and he needs to fight his half brother. Cool. I can get invested in that fight. Yeah.
3: And now, now it's Tomb Raider. That's, that's Now funny.
1: they're running. Now they're running away. It's Tomb Raider and needs to collect this clue and they need to collect that clue and then they need to collect that clue. Fine. Right. I can get invested in that. And now it's a horror movie and they're going down into the trench and they need to survive against these horrible creatures. Yeah. Great. Fun. And now they get. Yeah. They're getting zipped off to the quantum realm to meet. Um. To meet. Um. I forgot. Nicole Kidman again. Great. Sounds, sounds really fun. Great. What, what next? Um, now he's going to go and find a giant sea kraken who he can talk to because he can talk to fish. And actually the movie is going to hang one of the biggest plot points on the thing that Aquaman always gets made fun of for. Great, brilliant. Okay, this movie's having loads of fun. What's what's next? He's going to go back riding on the back of that Kraken and it's going to be like Moana with Tamatoa c- c- coming up <laughs> from the bottom of the ocean. And then he's going to join the fight against all of the seven kingdoms of the, of Atlantis. Brilliant. This all sounds really fun. Like w- what's connecting all of this? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> like, it's just an adventure. What why what, what's it all about? I guess he I guess he needs to fight, he, he, fight his brother like, and... He has to
3: stop Orm because he doesn't want Orm to take all the armies to the surface, right? That's yeah. that's the mm. fundamental thing that they're trying to stop. The problem is it drifts so far from that. Like, it never feels like a threat that's actually gonna get realized, not least because that giant fight they have at the end is Orm attempting to unite the armies of all the kingdoms and when some kingdoms resist he goes okay so i'm going to fight you instead yeah and so what you have is half half of the atlantean kingdoms fighting the other half decimating one another and then the the survive the plan is for the surviving troops to be taken to attack the land (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah it feels uh, it feels very game of thrones actually <laughs>
3: yeah but it's like it, it's a bad strategy to to take your army and use it to kill the other half of the army you want to use <laughs>
1: but i think i i mean i think i get the impression anyway that all all of this is supposed to be bedded into like these these deep resentments of these characters so like arthur ha- arthur resents his half-brother and atlantis because they took his mum away and Orm resents Arthur because he is this. He is this child of like this. He's the he's like he's the, the right true heir the kind right of
3: rightful king. Yeah.
1: Rightful king, but he also has this uh, has links to land. So that is that's why that's what's motivating Orm attacking the attacking the people on the land. I just find myself never really caring about any of the characters and character relationships i think we talked about this in our copies at the end of the year that like even the arthur Mira relationship i think when those guys kiss james you said it it's really hot because there's jason momoa and amber heard two incredibly gorgeous human beings who walk around basically wearing like skin tight underwater suits for the majority of the movie yeah. and
3: when they go for it they really go for it and, like, that's not a chaste peck on the lips. That's, like, <laughs> throat deep. So,
1: here, here are two gorgeous people um, having a smooch, and we I kind of like both of them in the context of the movie. Um, I don't know whether they've actually got chemistry or whether I care about their relationship with each other. I don't care about Arthur and Orm's relationship with each other. Um,. I think that the the only real relationship that I invested in was Arthur and his parents because it feels like that they that that's that's there from the start of the movie and I think it might be something to do with that you know that drip fed flashback like let's reveal a bit more information about the past here let's re- re- let's reveal a bit about Volco here and on there and, and 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 like the movie pauses to give you the entire origin of Atlantis midway through the movie as well um <laughs> but i still i still kind of think it works on a scene to scene basis that's 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 what i will give aquaman and like james wan is having so much fun with this film and he's throwing everything at the screen he's got the visuals every are in nuts there.
3: it's very yeah. day glow
1: and he's and at every at every point it feels like he's made the choice that's like what's the silliest or what's the what's the craziest thing I could do here what's the th- what's the thing that I can do here because I made furious 7 and now they're letting me make another big blockbuster <laughs> I've got that blank check and I'm going to and I'm just going to do the things that I'm allowed to do whether I should do them or not <laughs>
3: octopus so we're gonna playing ha- the drums
1: octopus playing the drums riding seahorses around that pinocchio gag that I put at the end of the other podcast uh, like it, it, in, uh, what well, that's that scene in the middle where they're where they are doing the Tomb Raider stuff, and Arthur says he's gonna pee on it. I could have just peed on it. Like, it feels like from from script to final, like final VFX color grade stuff. James Wan has just gone. I don't care whether I should. I just know that I can,
0: <laughs>
1: and that's kind of good enough for me because the movie really. Uh, the bo- uh, boring is not a word I always used to describe this movie. It kept me on my t- toes the whole way, and so I. Do you think it's just the length of it? Like what? Uh, uh, what? What is it that makes you guys think like? Because uh... you- I I do get it. I'm I'm not I'm not hugely hugely invested in Aquaman, but I reckon if if I put it on the TV again tonight. I would engage to it. I, I would engage with it on a scene-to-scene basis. See, I,
3: I think you're right in that, like you say, episodically it, it all makes sense. The problem is, I think when you know where it's going, because I, 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 having seen this, I was like, yeah, that was fine. Don't really want to sit through it again, though. And I I'm think really- it's, I think it's because, unlike Endgame, which hangs together so well for its entire running time. This like you just you know it's going nowhere, so trying to rewatch it well, would just be like uh, I just I can't can't care about anything.
1: Well, let's I mean, let's not, not compare it really to Endgame. Surprises
2: though. you, does it?
1: it, it, it uh, uh,
2: there's never a point where you don't know what it's going to. Do. I say I think probably the only thing that surprises me is I thought that. Um, possibly Willem Dafoe's character was going to turn out to be a villain because it's Willem Dafoe. And the fact that Willem <laughs> Dafoe actually is completely loyal to Arthur throughout the film to the extent that he gets himself put in prison for supporting Arthur and helping Arthur. <laughs> I
3: mean, I the, the f- funny thing about that is that by the it takes so long for Orm to realise <laughs> that, yeah. like, your obviously like traitorous vizier is actually traitorous. Do
1: you... Do you well, I I by the way I love how noble he plays that character. He just he just plays it straight down the line just I am I'm am a very very good guy. <laughs> and I'm invested in you. But, um I mean,
2: but but apart from that it's just, you know, you know that Atlanta is going to turn out to be alive because it's Nicole Kidman. You do, you don't cast Nicole Kidman, get rid of her after 10 minutes and kill her off. Kill her off
3: screen, yeah. And,
2: and, and not have her return. Um, You know, I'm not going to say you know that Arthur's going to win because that's like... I mean, I know we joked about showing the Trident in the trailer, but that's not the point of these stories and you can't (laughs) criticise... The
3: hero for winning, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, Black Manta's arc and the fact that Black Manta, you know he's going to turn up in a post-credits thing, you know they're not really going to have got rid of him. Um, There's just... There's nothing about it, and even you know the fact that Arthur and Mira, you know, because they're doing that screwball comedy thing, you know that they're gonna, and that's not necessarily again a negative. You can sort of um, you you can have fun getting to an obvious end point that is rooted in cinematic tradition. So there's, it's not that I have an issue with that. It's just that I don't think there's any point in this film
1: where I went, oh, that's really interesting that they did that. But I think I I agree with that on a broad plot level. But at the same time, if you would just said to me pre this movie and probably as well, crucially without watching trailers, because we talked about th- those trailers, particularly the one that showed up not long before the start of the movie with him with the trident, um, kind of kind of gave away a lot of stuff. But if you said to me, right, the Aquaman movie that comes out. Uh, in a couple of months' time, it's gonna, it, it's gonna. Aquaman's gonna go off, uh, like, uh, he's gonna fly off on a plane into the Sahara and dive down into it because, as we've explained, it is the sea of the land. Um, <laughs> and do and do some tomb raidering. and then he's gonna go to Sicily where there's gonna be a big action sequence. I've so gone. Really? In the in the Aquaman movie? Yeah, yeah, and then there's gonna be like a horror inspired sequence where they fight off these like really scary sea monsters. They go okay, and then what happens after that? Well, he goes and visits this Leviathan who's voiced by Mary Poppins <laughs> and has an extended chat with her so that she gives him the magical trident. I would have gone wait fuck off, what are you talking about? This is this is the movie starring my man. <laughs> like, so I understand what you're saying, Seb. From a, blo- a broad plot structure wise, yes, I kind of feel like it it nails its flags to the to the mast pretty early on. But it it has it has I think it has interesting, surprising stuff in it. And yes, like you, again, Black Manta, you kind of go right. Yeah, I know that he's gonna get defeated by Aquaman, and I know that he's probably gonna be revealed to be alive and get set up for a sequel. But that doesn't change the facts that, like, he turns up wearing that costume and I'm like, holy shit, that
3: actually looks he takes a gun awesome. And then builds it into, like, he decides, oh, I don't want a gun, I want something that shoots lasers from my face. Uh, I would not have seen that coming.
1: <laughs> I love that sequence. <laughs> I love that we actually spent those, like, two minutes with him building that thing. And the fact that it didn't really work. <laughs> Yeah, but looks a met. Like, do, uh, I don't know. I think it looks great. Looks like something from, like, the Forbidden Planet or something. Like, it looks like something from nineteen fifties B movie sci fi.
2: Well, I mean, it's you know, it's it's a very accurate representation of a costume that debuted in the nineteen sixties. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that tracks really.
1: But I, d- I don't know. Is that is there a, is there a marvel? villain design that is that wacky i mean in the comics there are in the films yes no no. yeah in the films that's what i mean (sighs) the thing
3: is that that whole plot has the feel of a sort of late 90s early noughties superhero movie where they have copied the look but not really adapted the the you know motivations or you know straightened out the character they've just gone oh well this is the suit and this is his powers and he's angry and he's going to get beaten up in two scenes and that's going to be it like you know it reminds me of like ghost rider or or you know batman forever or something two fun movies <laughs> <laughs> two fun movies you just know right there yeah yeah yeah. two fun <laughs> movies not not to like that hold up to modern standards
1: but i i and i will say that aquaman is better than both of those movies yeah members.
3: absolutely yeah cuz it cuz it has some semblance of coherence to it
1: <laughs> right here's what i want you both to do i want you both to tell me the things that you liked about this movie
3: i mean i've already there I've, I've already talked must have yeah i've already talked about how much i i liked the aquaman and Mirror stuff um let's see beyond that what did i like I liked the variety of settings. So like it was, it was really globe trotting and every, mm. every location looked different and fun. And
1: did you notice the part where they go to Africa?
3: <laughs> when the bit where they played Africa, you mean? <laughs> I think that was probably my favorite moment of the whole film. Like I was so oh, happy. It's just
1: absurd, isn't it? <laughs> it
3: was the fact there was a remix of Africa
2: definitely not getting overused is it africa at all (laughs) just because weezer covered it we're we're gonna look back on this bizarre point in history (laughs) when when africa by toto just became
3: i went (laughs) this is way off topic i went to a gig about a year and a half ago where the intro music was just africa on a loop (laughs) so for like two hours everyone was just listening to africa on a loop
1: it's so funny is africa good no, note. Side, side yeah. is it? If it, if no, is it hold, though? no,
2: hold hold the line is good. Africa is not good. Hold the line is the good Toto record.
3: <laughs> Depends what you mean by good, doesn't it?
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's certainly memorable. We'll say we'll save it for the eighties uh, pop songs podcast. <laughs> 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 right, Seb, you watched this movie very recently. What did you like about Aquaman? Because there must have been things. Um. Well, again, was stuff that I've said already. So, I mean, I agree with James. I do. I
2: I like the the Aquaman and Mira stuff a Obviously, I've I've watched it post um, probable end of Amber Heard's Hollywood career for for the time being. So that d- does slightly cast a, a shadow over it. Also, uh, while I think she is quite incredible looking in the film, I don't think she's incredibly um, charismatic. Um, I, as I say, maybe I'm alone in this, but I actually did like Patrick Wilson as Orm. I think, I mean, he's playing a very kind of basic and obvious kind of villain character, but I think he does it well. Um, I like that it, I think it successfully, um, as I say, it, it, because it was talked about for ages as the issue with doing aquaman is is doing the underwater having so many scenes where people are underwater talking to each other and just living and and acting and obviously justice league kind of um wimped out of doing it by having them stand there in that sort of you know air pocket bubble thing so Um, dumb so dumb (laughs) <laughs> uh, and this successfully, you know, every time they're underwater and they're talking to each other and their hair is kind of floating in that way. I, you know, I didn't feel like, I mean, I, I noticed it because I noticed the film was doing it well, but I didn't feel like, oh, this film is really obviously and cheesily trying to pretend they're underwater. I was like, oh, they're underwater. That that works quite well. You'll believe a so, man can float.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it does. I mean, it does look. I mean, this movie was expensive. And, I think, and I think it looks know, like well, that's really the money's there on yeah, screen.
2: The, the the design, the production design, the the look of things, the costumes. um yeah. you know, it is a. It's. I think. I'm disappointed that in the final battle. It still all goes DC orange. I mean, there's an awful lot of fire considering that they're underwater, <laughs> Um and, and that was a bit disappointing that when you get to that big set piece, it doesn't really look any different from a big fiery um, orange DC set piece that we've seen before. Um, but other than that, um, you know, it, 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 it does have a, a very distinct and an interesting look to it. So
3: It's no Russo Brothers film, we can say that much.
1: <laughs> um, let's talk. Let, let's talk about something that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, but I believe um, is pretty damn good. Patrick Wilson as Orm. I think in the nomenclature of the kids, he both slaps and fucks, right? <laughs> Orm, right? The Ocean Master, Master <laughs> of the Ocean, Ocean Master Orm, yeah. He's he's trying to unite the seven until he doesn't want to, and he's so angry. He's so
3: angry all the time. That I I did like the bit where they fought and like he really easily kicks Aquaman's ass, and you're like, yeah, well, yeah, you should because he's like actually yeah. been training for this.
2: And and I like the bit where they give him um like his actual costume and helmet design from the comics. Again, they sort of they lean into that. Which I think is good.
3: Are these characters actually any good in the comics? Because I think even less than Shazam, I don't think I've really any read any Aquaman <laughs> comics.
2: There's only one. I mean, we'll, we'll come to it when we do recommendations in inverted commas. Um, there's there's only one Aquaman comic slash run that I think is kind of of interest, and actually, Orm does play a relatively big part in that. And I think some of what they do in the movie probably does come from that.
3: Was it written um, by Jeff but- Johns by any chance?
1: No, it's yeah. not the Jeff Johns. That makes and a it's change. Peter David.
3: <laughs> oh, okay, okay.
1: Um, I I hate to do this to our listeners who are probably very engaged in in the ness of all of this. Um, but to pivot to pivot to Marvel, who <laughs> may <a> potentially <laughs> who may potentially be looking to introduce Namor at some point in the near future. Um. Uh, Obviously, these companies run into this semi-regularly where they have similar characters that they want to introduce uh, or or characters that kind of, I'm thinking Shazam and Captain Marvel, where you kind of want to differentiate. Does it feel to you that, especially given the version of Aquaman that has made it onto the screen, that that it would be very, very easy for Marvel to introduce Namor and it not to feel like they were doing the same thing? I, I don't know about very easy. It, I mean, it strongly
3: depends on what direction Marvel take the character because sort of Namor's thing is that he's king of Atlantis mm. and that he makes war with the surface world.
2: So... <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think there are versions of Aquaman where he's very into the whole king of Atlantis thing and he's very like Namor. And then there's this version of Aquaman... Where he's Thor, basically. I mean, a bit of a crap version of Thor, to be honest. But but Thor, swimming Thor, um, and I think you can
1: under Thorter. <laughs> I mean, if, you,
2: if you do Namor, he's going to be more Orm in this film than he is Aquaman, and I think that's how you see yes. yeah. it differently. You know, he's not. If you do Namor, he's not going to be anything like this version of Aquaman. No,
3: that's that, all that, that really is true. Matters. They will have extremely like opposite attitudes because Namor's thing has always been, like, screw the surface world, just leave me alone. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right, actually. Like, Namor is more like Orm than Aquaman. And actually, that's a kind of interesting take, because if you do the version of Namor who, like, turns up Amnesiac as a homeless person on land, then he discovers, like, oh, actually, I'm king of Atlantis, and also, I don't really like the surface. Hmm. You know, that's an interesting arc.
1: I... I would really love Namor to be a villain in Black Panther 2.
3: Yeah, me too. I think that's the, if you're going to use him, that's the best way Ooh, to use
1: yeah.
2: him. Yeah. yeah, that hadn't occurred to me, but you're right.
1: <laughs> a, a proper, a proper like, introduce him as a villain. And especially given that Black Panther just did a villain, you were like, ah, you're so close to being a <laughs> hero. Yeah, like, you could, you could imagine them having, you know, that you could imagine them doing it again well but actually maybe I don't think ever you're never gonna have Namor as like a full traditional hero are you but you could have him as
3: Namor tends to be a sort of antagonist antagonistic ally yeah Mm. more than outright villain because again he he tends to have a point of like A he considers himself the ruler of the planet because he rules the seas and the seas are two thirds of the planet (laughs) and B B He's like, you keep checking your trash and pollution and stuff into my sea, stop doing it. And that's a that's a hard position to disagree with, right? Like, as far as he's concerned, we're the aggressors. They could have played yeah. that out more in this film.
1: Hmm. Do you think you could... Because um, I, I do wonder whether this is coming as well. Do you think... How long do you think it is before we see, like, a major comic book character, as in, like, a title character who's gender-flipped? Because we've seen it with a couple of characters, like, like oh, uh, Ghost springs to mind that I know Ghost wasn't female in the comics, uh, but was not Ant-Man and the Wasp. But I wonder, like, could you do, like, a female Namor? Is that, would that work? You could, but it'd make her walking around in her
3: underwear a bit creepier than, <laughs> than the Namor version is. <laughs>
2: yeah maybe maybe, i I was gonna say it would would make a love triangle with reed and sue more
1: interesting
3: (laughs) yeah it definitely would
1: oh now i'm into it (laughs) now i'm really into it that's that's the one thing that any time i read or watch any fantastic four stuff i'm like so does everyone apart from her brother have to be into sue (laughs) like is that just is that just how it works i was arguing
3: earlier today for a more sexually liberated fantastic four (laughs) in our in our whatsapp chat (laughs) <laughs> and I feel validated by this it. take.
1: And let's cast Ed Norton as Namor. No, we're gender flipped. <laughs> <laughs> who would? Who would? Who would work as Namor? <sighs> this is probably a pitch.
3: Yeah, I think we should save that. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm Aubrey bad Frazer. with actors anyway. Aubrey Plaza, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That's, that's, I feel like that's been the answer to more than one of your pitches before, Seb. Very probably. <laughs> Just cast all as everybody. Yeah.
3: Can, can we acknowledge the number of times in this film that a scene ends with, like, they're having a conversation designed to give exposition to the audience and then someone attacks them or something blows up? <laughs> like, mid-conversation, it happens about four times.
1: Oh, <laughs> Uh, speaking of it, I, I I think one of the one of the running things that I liked from this movie was the like, w- was the setting something up as a serious scene and then revealing that oh no this is this is another one of these goofy, <laughs> goofy silly scenes and I like my my favorite and I think again like another one of those moments early on that had me going oh this this is a film that's more interesting than I thought it was gonna be was when the dudes walk up to aquaman in the bar and they're like that's great yeah. that is actually great are you that yeah. are you that guy from the news who you know the sea weird sea guy and he's like who's asking like we are because we want a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then, fairness... and then And then that, that montage of them just all getting pissed together is, is glorious. In fairness, do, that's, that, the, that actually, that's the
3: last time it does something really surprising in the film. Yeah, true. <laughs> and it happens about um, five minutes in.
1: I had
2: had that question um, at the end of Shazam about whether. Aquaman is actually known to the world because I didn't know kind of where this film sat I, di- I wasn't even sure if this film took place before or after Justice League before watching it um, so obviously that does answer the question for me that yes Aquaman is famous and he's referred to as Aquaman and people know him as Aquaman so I, I get that now I still don't know necessarily where they get the logo from but I'll, I'll go with it
3: I mean he wears the logo what? right on his belt or something
2: yeah but none of them have seen him wearing
1: the orange costume Do you mean where does where does Bruce Wayne's computer get the logo from? No, where does
2: where does character who I won't name's T-shirt
1: get it from? But that's but that's where it originates. So it must have been out in the world somehow because (laughs) Bruce Wayne got it on his computer. (laughs) It is funny, isn't it? It's funny how this movie kind of like it goes. Yeah, Justice League happened. Yeah, they. In fact, but also it mm, just don't. Think about it. There is literally
3: that one line, isn't there? Where he says like, oh yeah, we beat Steppenwolf. (laughs) And now let's move swiftly on without mentioning anything else related to it again.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, uh, let's be honest. We're not going to watch Justice League again. So I can't remember how that relationship in that one scene in in Justice League works. Did we just assume that they knew each other already because they were like nipping off to talk to each other? Or, or, Or was this movie literally just going oh god we'd we'd rather we don't want them to have like a big pre-existing relationship so let's just pretend that that's the way it played in Justice League. That was more the vibe that I got anyway. When she
3: turns up in this one and he's like you know brushing her off and then it turns out they don't really know each other anyway he just knows oh she's that Atlantean woman who caused trouble for me last time I saw her and that's the full extent of it. Like it might as well have not you know, he might as well have not recognised her and just known she was from Atlantis.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I think James Wan has the same attitude to Justice League that the rest of the world does. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? That that's the one movie that we can all agree it unites the the, <laughs> Sn- the Snyder <laughs> fans and the rest of us. That no one, ha- no one has any time for Justice <laughs>
3: Even League. Even Joss Whedon's <laughs> like, nope. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I found the quote on IMDb, by the way. It's, hey, buddy, you the fish boy from TV? It's fish man. What do you want? I'll tell you what I want. Could we get a picture with you? (laughs) It's (laughs) glorious. (laughs) And actually, I would recommend anyone, like, head to the IMDb quotes page. I'm just reading through the one above there. Like, this, it, it just, I feel like this sums up what a silly movie this is. Down here, we have a legend about the Carathon, an ancient sea monster so powerful, even King Atlan himself couldn't contain it. So he imprisoned it in the depths of the ocean. In that abyss, the creature buys its time, waiting to rise again. Atlantis has been lying in wait, and now the beast has been awakened. To which Arthur responds, You know, there was a time when I wanted to meet you one day, get to know my little brother, let him know that he wasn't alone, and we could hang out together. If only I'd known what a dick you'd turn out to be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just love those two lines next to each other, undersea nonsense. Yeah, but you're a dick, though, mate. <laughs> Although, as we as we've established, he slaps and he fucks. So, um... <laughs> I don't think there's any major character in this that I don't like. Like, it's so much fun to see Dolph Lundgren <laughs> like. <laughs> Down, down here with his big, his big gingerness like th- looking I like thought, Tormund at a Game of rounds. I thought
2: for a minute, actually, when he first turned up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seb, you have a history of this as well. The t- the t- thinking that characters are played by someone else when they first turn up, <laughs> and forgetting large sections of movies. Although I will, I will forgive you on this one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Okay, so that's that's it for Aquaman. Uh, let's uh, let's get some comic book recommendations, or maybe just recommendation. I don't know. Have we got more than one, guys?
3: <laughs> yeah, I've literally never read an Aquaman comic, so I'm not going to be much help here.
2: I mean, as I say, there, there is a run that I think is is considered quite kind of um, defining and important, which is the. Um, the Peter David stuff from the 90s, which is where they kind of revamped him. This was in, I think, 94 it started. Um, and that's where they sort of... That's actually where the look of the the long hair and the beard um, that the Jason Momoa version is inspired by comes from. It's also where he I think he loses his hand because uh, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but he puts his hand into piranhas when he's being mind-controlled. Um, and uh, so he has his, his metal harpoon hand. Um, so that stuff's probably worth a look to be honest I can't really say whether or not it is or it isn't because I've never really read it Um, but there's a four issue miniseries from 1986 kind of from that era when DC were doing their revamping of of various characters um, post-crisis and I remember seeing adverts for this in a lot of comics for that era um, but never having read it and then I, I read it a little while ago um, and it was a four-issue miniseries, uh, written by Neil Posner, um, uh, who sadly passed away in nineteen ninety-four, um, and drawn by Craig Hamilton, who was a really very sort of detailed stylish artist. Um and that that kind of that did a little bit of kind of revamping. And I think a lot of the the Atlantean stuff that goes into this film and particularly the stuff with Orm, I think actually does come from this I don't know whether they kind of explicitly drew it from this or if if the stuff that this series does made it into later versions and that's where the movies picked it up from um but I but I do look looking at that series I think that did establish a lot it's most infamous as the series um that gave Aquaman a kind of blue water camouflage costume that Neil Posner designed um, which was quite controversial because people didn't like it and it didn't look like Aquaman and it wasn't orange Um, I think it's a pretty neat costume actually I think it looks pretty good Um, but if you just want a kind of a self-contained Aquaman series that's kind of about the mythology of Aquaman and Atlantis and as I say kind of has a quite it's a bit kind of melancholy really it's got a kind of melancholy and, and romantic kind of feel to it um, but I, I quite like it. It's it, it's from an era of DC where I generally find DC stuff quite interesting. Uh, so that's on Comixology. Um, and and as I say, it's probably the only Aquaman comic I've read where I've gone, ah, that was that was an Aquaman comic that I quite enjoyed.
1: Excellent. So James, yeah, you, you got anything to, anything to offer? You don't want to throw some throw some name more at me even? Mm,
3: yeah. Uh, not really I mean there was a there was <laughs> around the same time there was a Namor series where he was running his own company that was written I think it was only written by John Byrne I mean <laughs> I've enough. never I've only ever read <laughs> one issue and I'm not sure I'd recommend going and reading anymore but
1: uh, I'll let you off if, okay, instead James it, well, I'll, no, I'll...
3: I have got one thing if, I was going to say okay. if you're going to read anything with Aquaman in I would say read Grant Morrison's JLA.
2: (laughs) That's the other thing I was going to say is where I've found him most interesting is in team environments and particularly that one. Yeah. Cool.
1: Okay, right. Well, we'll move on to our final section now, which is the pitch. Uh, So remember, guys, new rules. uh, I want immediate answers and just, you know, keep it to 30 seconds or less. Let's, let's, uh, Let's get some cool, concise answers too. So you know how Aquaman's getting a spin-off called the Trench I want you to pitch me an unlikely spin-off to any other superhero movie and uh James, I'll come to you first
3: uh so I would go with a spin-off of uh X-Men Apocalypse, which is called <laughs> uh, learning it's called Mall rats. <laughs> And it's just, right. it's about superheroes hanging out at the mall. <laughs> and Jubilee's the star, obviously. Obviously.
1: <laughs> the scenes that they mostly cut from the movie. Yeah,
3: it's just those scenes. <laughs> Written and directed by Kevin Smith.
1: Right, okay. <laughs> Excellent, okay. Uh, Seb, an unlikely spin-off from a superhero movie.
2: Um, I would go for a spin-off from Avengers Endgame. Um, called Mall Rats um, (laughs) about the rat that that saves the universe (laughs) uh, hanging out at a mall (laughs) written and directed by Kevin Smith
3: I actually, I was saying they should have revealed that um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were inside like in series 6 they should reveal that that rat was actually piloted by the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who had shrunk down using pin Particles (laughs) (laughs) because let's face it right, that rat that's one of the few bad things about Endgame is that it's pure coincidence that that rat activates the the. No, thing.
2: no it's the one in 14... We Look, we've done this. We did this for yeah, three yeah, and a yeah, half yeah, hours, yeah.
3: Jeff. But, <laughs> <laughs> but narratively speaking, it's a coincidence. There's no a,
1: such a, thing a, as coincidence. A coincidence <laughs> that took five years to take place. Yeah. I'm happy with it. Um, uh, yeah, obviously in good conscience, I can't have the movie about that rat uh, so I guess we'll have to go with Jubilee in a mall, Yeah. Which actually sounds kind of fun, I guess.
3: I mean, I'm just, I'm sick of world, world-threatening stakes. Let's have low stakes. Low stakes superheroes.
1: Mm. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping that Black Widow movie is. There's rumours it's going to have a much lower budget. And do you know what? I, I, like, I heard, um... Dave Gonzalez uh, speculating about this on another podcast that potentially Black Widow might not be coming to theaters, and that maybe we're just assuming that it is and it's not, and that it's the first movie on Disney Plus.
2: Hmm. Which, speaking of Disney Plus, I should have just said that the rat goes on to become
1: a chef in Paris, and then you would have picked it. (laughs) i'm not not the biggest ratatouille fan in the world Mm, you're wrong
3: the 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 logical
1: ending i'm sure how the timeline the logical ending of any
3: like marvel show about a rat is that goose catches and kills it
1: oh right okay now i'm interested (laughs) does
3: that mean i win twice
1: Yeah, James wins twice yes. this week. <laughs> for anyone keeping anyone keeping anyone keeping count, put two ticks in James's column for this week.
2: <laughs> I think James is a hundred percent on the new format so far.
1: Really, <laughs> <laughs> Seb? Of you course, you, you remember that. <laughs> right okay uh so that is it for this week's podcast um i think we will be following up with a mini before our next episode we just thought we kind of owed it to you to do aquaman given that we teased it before <laughs> endgame uh so we'll probably we'll we'll have a we'll have a mini before we're back for our next main episode uh but if you're enjoying the show then please do subscribe on your podcatcher of choice um, and you can support us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe uh, where, if anyone hasn't heard already, we've had some changes. Um, Seb, do you want to do a quick recap of that, just in case any of our listeners are, are not are not aware of that already?
2: Uh, yeah, so the podcast is now ad-supported uh, on its new host, uh, which means that sometimes you'll hear adverts on it on the main feed. Uh, if you want to make sure you don't hear adverts, uh, you can hear it ad-free and sometimes early on Patreon. Uh, and just to thank those of you who've recently uh, backed us as a result of us announcing this new policy uh so thanks to uh mickle lodell evan russo uh christopher grigg uh, and brendan roberts oh and samuel mcconnell as well
1: thanks to everyone who's supporting us and hopefully uh very soon you'll have my uh mcu phase three catch-up as well yeah slacker why is that not gonna
3: (laughs) get phase three hasn't finished yet so
1: no, technically it hasn't. Oh God, should I wait? No, I shouldn't wait. Uh, I should do <laughs> I should do that. But I feel I'm still coming to terms with the end of this journey. <laughs> That's my excuse. Um, okay, you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.